Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Church podcast. We pray that this message will help you in your walk with Christ. Our current sermon series is The Church Your New Pastor Deserves. The title of Dr. Dorch's sermon today is More by Its Motives Than Its Money. The big idea is what counts most in heaven's economy is our heart for the kingdom above all else. The reading of God's word from the Gospel of Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 15 where Jesus speaks to the crowds and says to them, Watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for a person's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. And then the 31st verse, But seek his kingdom, the kingdom of God, and these things will be given to you as well. And then verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. May God add his blessings to this, the reading of his word. The church your new pastor deserves is a church that is defined more by its motives than its money. Ask most people what they think about when they hear someone speak of this church, Mountain Brook Baptist Church, and they will likely tell you that among all the good things that can be said about Mountain Brook Baptist Church, that this is a congregation that is flush with cash, And that's not because of anything that we have done to encourage that reputation. I promise you, it's, it's simply something that results from our physical location. Being here in this most affluent community known as Mount Brook. In fact, you ask people what they think about, what comes to their minds when they just hear that adjective, mountain brook, and it doesn't matter. It matters not what follows. You can be talking about a business, a mountain brook business, a mountain brook school, a mountain brook high school, a mountain brook church, not just mountain brook Baptist church, any church. It matters not. Their assumption is that anything that has to do with mountain brook never has to worry about money. And truth be told, truth be told, our church is in fantastic financial shape. Better than most churches, certainly better than any congregation that I've been privileged to serve. And I tell you, I make zero apologies for that fact. Zero, none whatsoever, because the truth of the matter is I would be deeply concerned if this church, located as we are, among the most prosperous zip codes, not just in the state of Alabama, but in the southeast, I would be concerned if we were struggling as a congregation to receive 
the resources that are necessary for us to do the work that God has given us to do. And the fact that we do not struggle, to me, is exhibit A. Exhibit A. As to the hearts of this congregation being in the right place, and our hands being open to meeting needs in Jesus' name. And in that respect, I, I am pleased as punch at how this church lives into these teachings that Jesus gave in the verses of Scripture that I have read for you this morning. Jesus, speaking first to the crowds that have gathered to hear him talk and teach the kingdom of God, a rule, a reign that is far greater than the rule and the reign of the Roman Empire. And then teachings that Jesus gave to his inner circle, to his disciples, intended to move them to continue the work to which God had called him after Jesus had gone to the cross, been raised from the dead, and ascended to his Father in heaven. All of these teachings center around money. Do you notice that? And, and in particular, the appropriate motivations that disciples must have with respect to money so that we might show ourselves faithful to the work that God has given us to do. I have read for you three verses because there are three teachings that Jesus offers in this respect. The first, where Jesus says to the crowd, you watch out, you be on guard against all kinds of greed because a person's Worth, a person's value, a person's security does not lie in the abundance of their possessions. The language that Jesus uses would, would be one that, that, that the crowds would have understood and appreciated. It comes from the prison culture of the first century world. Just as today, in the first century, no one wanted to land in jail. And so to hear Jesus talk about the importance of, of imprisoning greed before your greed imprisons you, master your money before your money masters you, was Jesus' way of helping the crowd to understand and appreciate how they should perceive tangible resources. Your value does not consist in the abundance of your possessions, which then leads to this second teaching where Jesus 
intends to call his disciples to a higher motivation than simply accumulating as much as they can, a, a motivation that is geared toward helping them to understand the, the joy that comes from being a part of God's kingdom purposes, seek His kingdom, speaking of the kingdom of God, and then all of the other things that you tend to worry about will be given unto you. It's, it's a matter of priorities, Jesus says. And the best way to guard against greed and to master your money is by understanding that you don't have to worry about securing your future. Not when you trust your future to God and when you align your life with God's kingdom purposes, then you begin to see how your possessions become vehicles by which you are able to join God in the work that he is doing in this world. And then there is this third teaching which combines the previous two in such a marvelous way where Jesus talks with them about treasure. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And by, by treasure, Jesus is not talking about a pirate's chest of gold and silver. Jesus is instead talking about anything that we elevate above everything and everyone else. Anything. So that we see all of life through those treasure-laden lenses. For some people it's money, for some people it's another possession, for some people it's a position. But whatever you elevate above everything and everyone else in your life, that's your treasure, that's where your heart will be. Jesus is reminding his disciples of the importance of making sure that what we elevate above everything and everyone is God so that all that we are, all that we have is geared toward serving God's kingdom purposes. I look at these teachings and, and what, what I find remarkable are the number of people who act as if Jesus was some kind of Marxist that he offered this blanket condemnation of wealth. These people are not reading the gospel in the same way the Holy Spirit helps me to read the gospel. Yes, yes, beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus is warning the crowds that money can be a stumbling block, and he's warning his disciples that if they are not careful, they will lean into their possessions more than they will lean into God's presence. He, he's warning all of us not to invest our security in our affluence, but instead to trust our future to God. For when we do, when we do, there is this freedom, there is this restraint that is taking away all of the shackles that would hold us down and keep us back are removed. 
so that we are able to give of ourselves fully and entirely to what God has called us to be about. Now, is that your heart? I mean, is that your motivation? Is your, is your driving impulse in life to do what you can to better you or, or is it instead to do all that God has enabled you to do? To bear witness to the good news of his salvation in Jesus Christ. Let me, let me tell you the best way to answer that question. Look at your jump mail. I'm serious. Pay attention to your junk mail. If you're like I am, you get all kind of junk mail. I mean, my mailbox is just filled with junk. And I look at it and I rifle it through. And after a while, like you, I don't pay any attention to it. But the other day, I got to thinking about it. I need to pay more attention to what people are sending me. Let me tell you why. Those people who are sending us junk mail know more about us than we know about ourselves. They know your spending habits. They know that it is their business to know with scientific precision how you spend your money. They know how much you own your house. They know where you like to go out to eat. They know your favorite vacation spots. I mean, that's not random stuff. They know which charities you support and how faithfully you support them. It's their business to know. So I, I invite you to do something that I've been doing for the last couple of days. Just, I mean, go through your junk mail. And look at what it says about how you have been spending your money, your motives. And if there are some changes that God helps you to see you need to be making in order to seek his kingdom and trust your future to him if there are changes that you need to make to give a better, clearer witness to what your treasure is and where your heart is, then you have opportunity to do it so that you might better, you might better experience the joy of God's salvation. I love the story that Mark Trotter, who is a United Methodist preacher in San Diego, tells of a minister friend of his who had a congregant in his church who was a mover and shaker. I mean, this person wasn't just a person of affluence. He was a person of influence. And there is a stewardship of influence 
that is just as important as a stewardship of affluence. This person was an influencer. People paid attention to him in the community and as far as the pastor could see, this particular congregate ran hot and cold. I mean, sometimes he was zealous for God's work. At other times, he was distracted and focused on the other things. But one day, one day, this affluent, influential business person gave the pastor a call. So I want you to come down to my office. I need to talk with you about something. And so the pastor went down and they began having a conversation and this business person stood up from his chair and began to look out the window. Just, you know, kind of how it goes. He's just sort of thinking out loud. And he said, Pastor, I think I got it figured out. Turning back to the pastor, he said, when we get to the pearly gates, the big guy, that's how he phrased it, the big guy's going to ask us, Two questions. Two questions. First is, what did you do with what I gave you? And the second question is, who did you do it for? What did you do with what I gave you? And who did you do it for? I think Jesus was saying the same thing, really, to the crowd and to his disciples. Jesus was saying the same thing. He was saying in a different way, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Therefore, your primary motivation should be to join God in the work that God is doing in this world and, and where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And at Mountain Brook Baptist Church, you know how we would phrase it? God's call to us is to love God and to live with grace and generosity. And if we can continue to live together into that high and holy calling, let me tell you what, we'll not just be a church that your new pastor will deserve. We'll be a church that Jesus will deserve. Because we'll show where our treasure really is. And we will always pursue it and Jesus with all of our hearts. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we stand amazed that in your presence you do not consider us to be junk. We are people of worth for whom you sent your only begotten Son to die. You raised him to life that your grace through him might be sufficient for our every need. Help us to be pure in our hearts 
so that our motives might always point others to Jesus. Thank you for what you have provided so that we might be able to do so to everyone and every place that every child of yours might come to know you. Thank you for the heart of this church and help our heart to continue to grow and expand because of how your heart in Christ Jesus is being shown through us. All of this we pray in Jesus' name and for this church's sake. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that today's message brought you hope as we continue to love God and live with grace and generosity. Be sure to check back here for more podcasts. And as always, go out and do the Lord's good work. Amen.